Hello, dear listener. This is Tanner here with Tanner Talks About Stuff That Happened. A reminder that these episodes about Ukraine and Russia are not scripted. They are reporting as quickly as events happen, as often as I can get them. Sometimes I will misspeak. Sometimes I will say things that are untrue, simply because the information that I have at the time is all that I'm being given. In the future, we may look back at things I say here and we'll realize, oh, he was totally wrong about that. But remember, I am doing this because I want people to be as updated as I am, because I'm trying to stay as updated as possible about the events that are happening and trying to report them as unbiased as I possibly can. So with that being said, please give me grace if I misspeak, and please remember that I'm trying to do my absolute best. Without further ado, enjoy this one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. It is day three of the war in Ukraine between Russia and the Ukrainians. And really, what let's remember, this is not the Russians fighting the Ukrainians. This is Vladimir Putin and essentially his private army fighting the Ukrainians. We're seeing in Russia that the Russians are not particularly happy with what is going on in Russia. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later on in the show. I'm Tanner. I'm going to be talking about stuff that happened. Welcome to the show. We got a lot of newcomers to this show. Every single one of these updates that I'm doing is getting more and more people involved with the conversation. I'm so glad that you guys decided to join me today. Welcome to the show. These episodes are a little bit different than what I usually do. What I usually do is I script things, I uh, create a narrative, and I tell a story about a historical event. That's not exactly what I'm doing here. Here, what I'm intending to do is to give as much factual information about what's going on in the Ukraine as I possibly can without without it being biased information. We're seeing so many news sources around the world and the country trying to twist this narrative to favor some kind of the political spectrum, and that's ridiculous, and I don't want to do that. There needs to be factual reporting on what's going on, because the people of Ukraine are suffering, but not only are they suffering, they are fighting, and I think that deserves to be reported on. So we're going to tell some stories today, because in the past 24 hours, a lot has happened. We are now on night three of the invasion, and... A lot of news sources would have you believe that the Ukrainians are in dire straits at this point, but there's more to the story than that. So, let's divide and conquer a little bit. Let's look at some of the big ideas about today. Today, we saw the first real coordinated resistance by the Ukrainians. We saw the first attack by Ukrainians into Russian territory, Uh, and we'll talk about that. We saw the Ukrainians arming their civilians in much higher numbers and providing them with the bare bones amount of training to help to get them to fight. There was a viral picture of a one of the uh, women in parliament of Ukraine and she was holding a she was holding a gun just in her home, smiling at a camera, basically saying she's ready to go and fight. She wasn't going to abandon her post. We saw some prominent Ukrainian politicians getting into gear, preparing to fight, which actually made me emotional. It might make me emotional when I talk, when I talk about it today. We'll find out. Um, so, in terms of the civilian population of Ukraine right now, Ukrainian civilians are doing one of three things. They are either heading for the Polish or Moldovan borders. There are camps set up in Poland to accept refugees. Poland has set up at least eight refugee centers, so there's not really a refugee crisis here because these Western countries are prepared to handle this amount of refugees because these centers are complete with beds, food, and medical facilities. And uh, 
refugees started reporting that they're seeing a lot of people walking from Ukraine to Poland because these people are getting bogged down in traffic in this gridlocked traffic because there's so many people heading for the border that cars are starting to run out of gas. So these Polish people are just getting out of their cars and they're walking the rest of the distance. Or Sorry, these Ukrainian people are getting out of their cars and walking the rest of the distance to Poland. So um, that's kind of a crazy situation to think about. Now, something that's happening at the border that's actually very tragic uh, is that Ukrainian soldiers are at the border making sure that no men ages 16 to 60 are getting past, or 18 to 60, my bad, are getting past the border um, because they're being directed to go back into the country and fight. And they're being forced to do this. Ukrainian men between the ages of 18 and 60 are not being allowed to leave the country because they're being required to go back into the country to fight, to fight off the Russian invasion. And when I say forced, I mean they really are being forced they are not being allowed to leave. And there is violence happening there when they refuse. I haven't heard of anybody being shot because they're refusing to leave. Um, but it, it's, it's a sad circumstance. But this is war. Ukraine is at war with a power much larger and more frightening than they are. Uh, so that's the first thing that civilians are trying to do. Second thing is that they could be hiding underground. Uh, I saw videos on Snapchat and Twitter and Instagram of hundreds of civilians hiding underground in these deep, deep Cold War era subway systems underneath the cities of the Ukraine. There, it's very reminiscent of pictures that you see of World War II during the German Blitz on London, where they were bombing British cities and British people were very well trained in going down to bomb shelters and subway systems underground to wait out the bombing raids. It's very, very reminiscent of that, but it's interesting because it's modern now. Just kind of crazy to see that. I mean, it's 2022 and we're seeing people hiding in subway systems because their cities are being bombed. Just kind of a moment of surrealism for me right there. Or the third thing that they're doing, picking up guns and getting ready to fight. We're going to talk that a little bit later in the episode um, when we talk about what we're going into of uh, during night three. So we're, I'm covering day three. Now we're going into night three. And night three could very well be a, deciding, a, a decisive moment in this war. Three nights in, and we could be seeing, we could, we could see a decisive moment. That's modern warfare for you. Okay. So now we've talked about what civilians are doing. Let's jump over to what's actually happening in Russia really quick. I talked yesterday and in, uh, in, in said that Russian people are protesting this war. Thousands of them, tens of thousands of them. It was said that this morning I woke up and wrote down this statistic. So there could be more since now, since that time when I woke up. But yesterday, Russian police made more than 1,700 arrests in protests against the war. 1,700 arrests. 1,700 people taken into police custody in Russia for protesting. And Let's remember, Russian police can only take one and maybe ten people into custody. They can't take all of them because most of them would probably scatter. So if if one in ten people got arrested in these protests, just one in ten, that still means that there's 10,000 people protesting in Russia. And I would very much 
believe that it would be more like one in 20, one in 30, maybe one in 50 people get arrested. So we could, we could be looking at 50,000 to a hundred thousand people arresting get, uh, or sorry, protesting in Russia. Remember, I'm not editing this. I'm saying this as it comes into my mind. I do not edit these emergency podcasts. So bear with me if I, if I misspeak, I know you guys are nice to me. You're listening. Cause you like me, right? Right. Okay. Let's continue. So Russians are not particularly happy with Putin right now. I don't think Putin expected that. I think he's probably a little bit surprised that all of his people are not fully behind him. He's been very authoritarian for a long time. I think he got like 85% of the votes in the last election. Granted, he probably skewed those votes a little bit, but you know, it showed that he had a lot of support. So now that there's like tens of thousands of people protesting this war that he's so religiously behind, I don't know. Maybe he's surprised by that. Okay, we're looking at a few war crimes that are happening in in the Ukraine. And remember what I said yesterday, if these war crimes are prosecuted at the end of the war, Putin could very well be brought to an international court and potentially imprisoned for life if convicted of these war crimes. So a couple of things that are happening here. A Russian defense minister got in front of the whole world and he said to the faces of all 8 billion people on this planet. No one is attacking civilian targets. He said it straight up without justifying anything without, you know, mincing his words a little bit. He said that almost word for word, no one is attacking civilian targets. I can verify to you that that is 100% false. Today, I saw a video of a hospital being hit by a number of missiles which means that more than one, because more than one missile hit this hospital, it is confirmed that this is targeted. This was not a mistake. And there were patients in that hospital. There were civilian patients inside a hospital in Ukraine, and it was hit by several Russian missiles. I can also confirm that a kindergarten was hit, and there were children in hiding inside that kindergarten, and civilians have been killed. Not just children hiding in the kindergarten, there were also other Ukrainians, adults, hiding inside that kindergarten building. The building was hit by a missile, and it is not confirmed that people were killed, but I can't imagine that everyone got out unscathed. All right. Also, four civilian vessels in the Black Sea have been hit by Russian fire. Four. And the crazy thing about this is that not one of them was Ukrainian. One of them, which I talked about yesterday, was Turkish. One of them had the Moldovan flag on it. One of them was Romanian. And one of them was Japanese. Four merchant vessels have been hit by Russian missiles in the Black Sea. Yesterday I said it's very possible that this was a mistake. But now it's happened four times. It's feeling less and less like a mistake. I don't know. I'm just saying. Another war crime that happened today. A column of Russian soldiers put on Ukrainian military uniforms and tried to enter Kiev. That's a war crime. To disguise yourself as the enemy to get into the enemy's lines and then attack them is a war crime. Reports from Kiev are that this column has been neutralized. That's a war crime. Russia is perpetrating war crimes in the Ukraine. 
I also saw a video of a Russian tank deliberately running over a moving civilian vehicle without any provocation. The tank was driving on the right side of the road one way. The civilian vehicle was driving on the right side of the road the other way. As the civilian vehicle passed, the tank veered out of its lane and crushed the civilian vehicle. It was deliberate and it was unprovoked. That is a war crime. To attack a civilian target without any hint of provocation is a war crime. All right, we've talked about Russia's war crimes. Just in the last 24 hours. Jeez, we're three days into this war and already we're seeing war crimes. Unbelievable. All right, let's talk about internationally what's going on. How people are looking at this situation. Okay, so I spent a lot of today on Twitter consistently typing in hashtag Ukraine, hashtag stand with Ukraine, hashtag Russia, hashtag Russia, Ukraine, just refreshing and refreshing and refreshing, trying to get as much information I could about the war. And remember, I am very thorough in the information I gather. If it's on video and I can see it from several different angles or from several different sources, confirming that the video is from inside Ukraine and the video and what I'm watching is confirmed to be whatever it is, it is described to be, then I will use it as information. And if I see textual information, I always fact check it to make sure that it's true. So what I saw today was for, th there were two things that I saw. One of them really encouraged me. One of them discouraged me. And the reason it discouraged me is not because I hate people and because I don't like opinions, but because people s seem very misinformed. And people don't really understand the global geopolitical situation here. So I'm here to help people understand that a little bit better. Okay, so the thing that encouraged me a lot is that almost unanimously, almost unanimously, people around the world seem to be standing with Ukraine. People respect the sovereignty of nations and the sovereignty of borders. And people seem to seem to think that a large nation can't go in and attack a small nation just because. Now, I've been researching a lot about why Russia has been attacking Ukraine and the, and the rationale behind it. And what Russia is telling its people trying to justify the attack in Ukraine. So I will talk a little bit about that after I'm finished with this segment. But um, it seems that people are unilaterally condemning the violence in Ukraine and saying, hey, we stand with Ukraine. And that encouraged me, not necessarily because of my opinion, but because it was really good to see the people of the world finally agreeing on something, anything. It was really encouraging to me for that reason. The thing that discouraged me was that there were so many people on Twitter taking to Twitter, condemning Western nations for not doing anything, for saying I, things like, I can't believe I'm sitting here watching the people of Ukraine die and watching the leaders of the world sit back and do nothing. That frustrated me because that shows just a lack of understanding of the situation on the whole. So a lot of people are saying... Western nations are allowing Putin to just overrun Ukraine without doing anything about it. And that's just not true. First of all, NATO countries are shipping weapons into Ukraine by the truckload. And I say the truckload honestly and truthfully because 
a large convoy of trucks from the North Atlantic Treaty Organization just shipped in hundreds of weapons to Ukraine. A lot of them being anti-air weapons, which Ukraine so desperately needs as Russia knocked out most of its anti-air capabilities in the first wave. So with all of these weapons, Ukraine will be able to fight off much of the Russian air superiority. So that's just not true that, that Western countries are sitting back and doing nothing. Now, a lot of them say we're not sending troops to go fight. To that, I say, okay, if you want to go fight, you are welcome to go fight. The president of Ukraine, Vladimir Zelensky, straight up said, if you want to come and volunteer to fight in Ukraine, we will take you. Anybody from around the world who wants to go fight in Ukraine can go fight in Ukraine today. You could jump on a plane right now and go fight for them. You are welcome to go do that. So you sitting behind your computer or your phone saying, hey, why is no one doing anything? You are part of the people who are not doing anything. You are welcome to go do something if you want to. Now, in terms of national problems and what kind of international problems sending, sending troops to go fight in Ukraine would cause, Ukraine is not part of the North Atlantic Treaty, Treaty Organization, so no one in the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, which is a group of 30 countries, the United States, uh, the United Kingdom, Portugal, France, Germany, Poland, Albania, uh, North Macedonia, Greece, all of those nations have no obligation to fight alongside Ukraine because Ukraine is not part of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. If you remember, one of the reasons this war is being fought is because Ukraine wanted to join that, or that organization and Russia didn't like that idea. That's one of the reasons. That's not the only reason. So, the, because Ukraine is not part of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, that's the main reason we are not sending troops to go and fight Russia because of that. It's one of the reasons Russia feels emboldened enough to go and fight Ukraine for that reason. If we were to send troops into Ukraine, that would be a declaration of war on Russia. And if the United States or any of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization states were to send troops into Ukraine, that would be an act of war on Russia. Russia would then be able to go to war with every single nation in the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Now, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization would very, very likely win that war. It would very likely be a very quick war, probably a matter of weeks or months, and it would be over, Russia would be defeated. But in that process, we have no clue how many people could die. Remember that right before this war broke out, Russia, or more specifically Putin, said to the rest of the world, if anyone intervenes in this, you will have violent repercussions the likes of which you have never seen. We don't know what he means by that, but remember, he does have nuclear capabilities. There are a lot of nukes in Russia, and Vladimir Putin is the main man with access to all of them. He's willing to attack Ukraine and sacrifice a lot of his people and sacrifice a lot of Ukrainian people for it. We don't know what he'd be willing to do if he went to war with the rest of the world. If Putin was to go down, very possible he'd want to bring a lot of people with him. So that's one of the reasons that we're not sending troops into Ukraine to fight off the Russians. Does it mean we don't care? No. Very obviously, so many countries are very worried about this. We're worried about the people in Ukraine who are fighting tooth and nail for every inch of ground to save their country. Us sitting back and not sending troops in does not mean we don't care and doesn't mean that we're just letting them die off. It's more complicated than that, and people need to realize that it's so much more complicated than that. 
we are not sending troops into Ukraine because we don't want World War III. World War I and II were bad enough. We don't want a third one. And if we have to watch people in Ukraine die and lose their democracy to avoid World War III, you have to make that decision for yourself if that's something you're willing to watch happen in order to save millions more lives. It's hard. It's a difficult situation. It's a hard decision. I understand that. My heart's breaking for the people in Ukraine, but it's more complicated than, oh, we're just going to watch the Ukrainians die. Anyway, sorry for ranting about that. All right. That's one thing I was watching on Twitter today. Now, still talking about international stuff. So, other things that happened internationally is we saw a lot more sanctions happen today. A sanction means that a nation will actively cut off an economic tie with a country, a specific economic tie. So, the sanctions that took place today, um, the United States and the United Kingdom actively sanctioned President Putin himself. So, President Putin can no longer send any funds between Russia and any banks in the United States or the United Kingdom. An interesting fact here is that Switzerland also did the same. Now, there's a lot of jokes about people having a Swiss bank account because Switzerland is a very safe place to have a bank account because it hasn't lost a war in hundreds and hundreds of years. So the fact that Switzerland said, nope, Vladimir Putin can no longer bank in our country. If Putin has any money in Switzerland, which it's very likely that he does, it's now frozen and he can't use it. Curious. Later in the day, the United States and the United Kingdom also sanctioned all of, mil- all of Putin's top military advisors and all of the top pop- politicians in Russia. So all of those people can no longer bank in the United States or the United Kingdom. Sanctions probably won't do a whole lot right off the bat. Which is unfortunate because the war in Ukraine likely won't last longer than a couple weeks. But if it were to last longer than that, that's when we would start seeing results from these sanctions. A few more international things. Okay, very curious here. Sorry, I've got just a list of notes here. I'm trying to sort through and keep things a little bit more organized than I had yesterday. Okay, two very, very interesting things. First thing, China didn't outright condemn the attack of Russia on Ukraine, but China did release a statement that said it respects the sovereignty of all nations, and then at the end, specifically named Ukraine. China said, we respect the sovereignty of all nations and all borders, particularly in Ukraine. China said that. China, who people were starting to say that China and Russia were colluding, or their partners in this or something. No, China didn't outright condemn the violence, but basically said, no, we respect Ukraine and we think that Ukraine is its own independent nation, which directly contradicts what Putin said three days ago, which was Ukraine is a Russian fabrication. Ukraine is not an actual state. Curious. Very, very interesting. Okay. The last international thing that I found very curious. So I went through a conspiracy theory phase a couple years ago. I'm still in it a little bit, but for the most part, I'm out of it. But while I was in that conspiracy theory phase, I got really tied up in the whole activity around the uh, decentralized group Anonymous. If you're not familiar with Anonymous, Anonymous is not a organized group per se, but 
by their own admission, they are a decentralized collective of hackers who obviously go anonymous and are against government corruption. Today, in a Twitter account that represents a lot of anonymous, remember, anonymous is not centralized, so there is no Twitter account that can directly represent anonymous, but there is a Twitter account that posts a lot of things that anonymous is doing. Um, that Twitter account posted today with hundreds of thousands of followers that the group anonymous is now directly involved in a cyber war against Russia. A lot of people would say, okay, a group of hackers living in their mom's basements are attacking Russia. Big deal. But in the first day after this was posted, Anonymous posted that the website for the Russian Ministry of Defense had been hacked and is down. Later, they posted a list of names and addresses of all the people who are working to attack Ukraine. Well, all the officials working to attack Ukraine and all the officials working directly with President Putin. And they posted that on the internet and you can download it right now. Anonymous did that, which means that this isn't just a group of hackers who live in their mom's basement and pretend to be cool. This is a legit thing that's happening and could be an actual direct threat to the Russian cyber infrastructure. Very, very interesting. Crazy world we live in that that's a real thing. All right. That's the international news I have for now. Let's move on to interactions between Russia and Ukraine. All right. Early this morning, Russia announced that it is prepared to send a delegation to Minsk in Belarus to negotiate terms of surrender with the Ukrainians. A little bit later, President Zelensky, the president of the Ukraine, he also said he is willing to meet with Russian leaders to discuss a ceasefire. The critical difference here is that the Russians are ready to discuss terms of surrender, but the Ukrainians are willing to discuss terms of ceasefire. That is a fundamental difference in how they are seeing these talks. If they are going to talk, they will have to come to a consensus of why they're talking, or else very little will be accomplished. Um, some Russian military leaders announced that in the first day that they accomplished every single objective they planned, but officials in the United Kingdom reported that the Russians are actually struggling to accomplish any of their objectives. I am willing to believe that, honestly, because the Ukrainians are putting up a very staunch fight. Yesterday, the, uh, this same United Kingdom, um... The same United Kingdom agency, which is an official agency, I believe, they put the Russian death toll above 450, but that's not been independently confirmed. At first, I didn't believe that number, but as the day has been progressing, I'm starting to believe it more and more, and actually I believe it's a lot higher than that. I think this war is becoming very, very costly for Russia. Now, okay, we're going to talk about other war interactions between uh, the Ukrainians and Russians. Ukrainians are fighting back ferociously. I'm in awe. I think I said that yesterday, but I'm in awe of how much the Ukrainians are fighting back. I might've just said that to one of my friends. I might've not said it on the podcast, but I'm saying it now that I am in awe of the Ukrainians fighting back. 
A Twitter account claiming to be the official Twitter account of the Ukrainian Armed Forces reported that there was a successful Ukrainian counterattack today. In fact, there were several of these that happened, and they have all been independently confirmed. The Ukrainians either were able to hold their ground and be able to instigate a Russian retreat, or they actively counterattacked. This, these, these seem legit. There was a city in the northwest, the northeast of uh, Kiev, so about fifty miles northeast of Kiev, that the Russians were attacking, and the Ukrainians were able to fight the Russians off from that place. According to the Ukrainians who were fighting, they killed, quote, hundreds of Russians. I don't know about hundreds, but I would believe several dozen, which is a lot. In modern warfare, that's a lot of soldiers to die in a battle, specifically between Russia and Ukraine in Eastern Europe. Uh, there are unconfirmed reports that the Ukrainian Navy has retaken an island that was taken in the Black Sea. There are unconfirmed reports that upwards of 2,800 Russian troops are now dead. Those are very unconfirmed. Those are claims made by an international agency. I don't know if they're true. If so, that's a lot. That's a lot of costly deaths for Russia. Now, things that are making me more inclined to believe that are that Ukrainians have in their possession military drones. I don't know where they got them, but there are military drones that are bombing Russian positions. Proof of this is that an entire Russian convoy was destroyed by a number of Ukrainian drones. There is video footage of this. I literally watched a video of a Ukrainian couple in their car driving past a number of bombed out Russian trucks on their way to Kiev. I didn't believe those reports until I saw an actual video. Insane, really. And if that's happening in one place where that convoy of six or seven trucks full of soldiers has been completely bombed out, it's, it's probably happened in other places. This war is being very costly for Russia, probably much more costly than Putin anticipated that it would. In fact, Ukrainian troops were able to launch an attack inside Russia, inside Russian territory. They launched ballistic missiles to an airfield in Russia and were able to destroy a number of Russian aircraft in that airfield. I don't know if they rendered the airfield unusable, but they destroyed a number of aircraft, which is very costly to Russia. In terms of Russian victories today, the Kiev power plant has been completely destroyed. Parts of Kiev will now go dark. Not, all the, not the whole city, but a lot of it is about to go dark. There is an interesting thing happening in Kiev where people are starting to see orange X's painted on residential buildings. On top of them. The first tweet that I saw of this is that there were Russian saboteurs inside Kiev and other residential areas painting these orange X's on roofs so that Russian warplanes will bomb these places. I'm actually more inclined to believe that the opposite is true. I believe that if these orange X's are being painted for Russian warplanes to see, I think it means don't bomb this place because there's civilians inside. Now, keep in mind, I don't think that this is because Russians, the Russian military or Putin cares about civilians. I think it's more to avoid international condemnation more than he's already received.
I think that's why that's happening. I don't know for sure. I do know for sure that there are actually Russian saboteurs inside the city of Kiev, which is the Ukrainian capital. I didn't believe that when I first heard reports of it, but I then saw video footage of it. I saw video footage of Russians being detained and being exposed as Russian saboteurs who were disguised as Ukrainians. Again, I believe that's a war crime. Even though they didn't act, they weren't actively shooting at Ukrainians. Maybe that's what makes it a war crime is if they dress up in the other, the enemy's uniform, jump into their ranks and then start shooting them from the inside or fighting them from the inside. I think that's what makes it a war crime, but they were definitely disguised as Ukrainians, but they were in the Russian military and they had every intention of sabotaging Ukrainian positions inside the capital city of Kiev. I didn't believe that until I saw actual video footage of it. People who are inside Ukraine who are taking video footage of this, you are a godsend to the international community who are very interested in what's going on. Thank you for what you're doing. All right. This is the part I was really excited about. This is my second to last segment, and it's that legends have been born in Ukraine today. War heroes that we have not seen in decades or centuries. I wouldn't say centuries. I would say decades, though. Maybe since World War II or Korea, we haven't seen war heroes the likes that we're seeing being born today. So, the war heroes that we have witnessed being born today, the first of which is called the Ghost of Kiev. I first heard about the Ghost of Kiev early this morning. My cousin, Mitchell, thanks Mitchell if you're listening, sent me a article about someone they were starting to call the Ghost of Kiev. The Ghost of Kiev was a Ukrainian fighter that was flying over the skies of Kiev and was shooting down Russian warplanes left and right. This morning, the Ghost of Kiev had shot down six Russian warplanes, which means in the first day of fighting, he'd shot down six, which is a lot. Shooting down five fighter planes grants you the title of fighter ace, which is something that people have not seen since, gosh, I don't know, maybe Korea, definitely World War II. So we're talking maybe 80 years. It's been since someone has seen or gotten this title. I know for a fact that no one internationally has been able to get this title since the beginning of the 21st century. And if this, and I remember thinking this morning, if this is true, then this guy is the first fighter ace of the 21st century. Now, there were a lot of news articles about the ghost of Kiev, and they said, well, it's probably a number of, it's probably a number of fighters um, shooting down Russian aces. They're probably just rotating throughout the day. There will be one or two guys up above. They'll go in for their night, and then the night shift will come out, and then they'll fight. It's been proven in the last couple hours that it actually is one man. One guy has shot down six Russian warplanes in the first day of the Russian invasion. The first fighter ace of the 21st century. The ghost of Kiev is a real man. Now, this real man is hiding his identity right now. There is a picture of him circulating the internet. It's just him in his cockpit giving a thumbs up, but all of his pilot gear is on, so you can't really see his face. And I think for good reason, I don't think he would really want publicity. He's just doing it because it's his duty and he loves his country. But the first fighter ace of the 21st century has been born, and it is the ghost of Kiev. A man 
circling the skies of Kiev, shooting down Russian warplanes who are threatening his people. And I just think that's awesome. That's just the first one. There's several others. The second legend that was born today, a man they are starting to call the Ukrainian Reaper. The Ukrainian Reaper is a Ukrainian soldier who has reportedly gunned down 20 Russian soldiers on his own. Now remember, this invasion has only been going on for two days. This is day three. And this article was posted an hour ago. So this is toward the end of day three of the invasion. Chances are this guy didn't get to the front until the end of day one. So in potentially 48 to maybe 56 hours of fighting, this guy was able to neutralize 20 Russian soldiers on his own, and they are calling him the Ukrainian Reaper. Again, his identity is unknown right now. But if these reports are true, this guy is going to go down in history. Another legends that were born today are a couple in Ukraine. The article here says that, unsure of the future, this couple, uh, their names are here, but I'm not going to say their names, rushed their wedding and got married to the sounds of sirens blaring the Russian invasion. After their wedding, they both joined the local territorial defense center to help the efforts around defending the country. There are two pictures here. There's one of them at the altar with a priest. Uh, it looks like a traditional Ukrainian wedding. They are in traditional Ukrainian uh, wedding clothing. And they're kneeling at an altar. Photo next to that is the two of them together. Obviously the same people. They are now in coats and standing next to one another, holding guns, getting ready to fight. Legends are being born today. Third legend that was born today. This is more of a tragic story. This legend was born because uh, he was a Ukrainian soldier and he was an engineer. The Russians were advancing rapidly throughout Ukraine and they were using the bridges to get over all of the rivers, and that's how they were advancing so rapidly. So the Ukrainians started blowing up rivers. One of these bridges was set to be blown up as the Russians advanced, but it was unable to be triggered remotely. Something went wrong. So the Russians came to the banks of the river and started shooting. One brave Ukrainian soldier rushed to the center of the bridge and ignited the bridge manually, blowing the bridge up so the Russians couldn't cross it, but blowing himself up in the process tragic story but a legend was born there are stories of heroic ukrainians all over the place they're doing amazing things in this fight and i hope that these things will be written down and recorded for as long as possible because i hope these people get the recognition that they deserve two more legends were or three more legends were born two of them are the president of ukraine Vladimir Zelensky and the mayor of Kiev. Unfortunately, I don't remember his name and I didn't write it down. Uh, I feel bad about that. But I saw photos early this morning of Vladimir Zelensky and he had military fatigues on and he was on the ground in Kiev preparing to fight. And the photos that I saw were not posed. At least they didn't look posed. They looked very casual, very candid. This dude, the the president of Ukraine was getting ready to fight along, alongside his people to protect his city of Kiev. He also released a statement yesterday that said he is not leaving Kiev. 
He's staying and he will fight. Also, the mayor of Kiev has in, in a pretty epic photo, this guy who's, who looks older. Uh, I mean, president Zelensky is only 44. He's very young, but the mayor of Kiev looks significantly older than that. He's probably in his late fifties or early sixties, maybe even late sixties. Maybe he aged really well, but this dude is holding a full blown machine gun. This one looks a little bit more posed, but he's holding a machine gun getting ready to fight Russians. That's amazing. Instead of fleeing their country and going or fleeing to other part other safer parts of the country, as many world leaders would do, these guys are getting to fight alongside their people, no doubt inspiring them a ton. It's amazing. These are amazing stories. The last legend, which is a crowd favorite at the time, there's a video of an old woman walking up to a Russian soldier. The Russians have occupied her part of the country, obviously. She's old. She's probably in her late 50s. Uh, now that's not old, but she seems to be walking at her youngest. She's in her late fifties. She could be in her late sixties or maybe even mid seventies, but she walks up to a group of Russian soldiers. She looks one of them dead in the face. He's holding a gun and she doesn't have any weapons. She starts yelling at him. She says, what are you doing here? Why are you invading our country? The Russian soldier responds. This is all through translation. He said, this conversation will accomplish nothing. It will, it will do nothing. At the end of the conversation, if you can call it a conversation, she says, I hope that you fill your pockets with sunflower seeds, so where you die, at least something will grow there. She's a legend. Legends were born today. The ghost of Kiev, the Ukrainian reaper, the president and mayor of Kiev, the couple who rushed their marriage so that they could pick up guns to fight with their people, the old woman who put on her badass boots and called out a Russian soldier to his face who had a gun and she didn't and said that she hopes he put sunflower seeds in his pocket so that where he dies, something will grow. <laughs> Amazing. These people are wowing me. There's one last story that I forgot to tell. And this is a pretty awesome one. This one is going to go down in history. They're already making t-shirts about this. I almost bought one, but unfortunately I'm, I'm a college student, but a small Ukrainian garrison was stationed on a small island in the Black Sea, which Ukrainians refer to as Snake Island, just a tiny island with maybe two buildings on it. Russian warships approached this island. And there was a transcript of the conversation between the Russian warships and the Ukrainian garrison. The Russian warships transmitted, Ukraine, we are Russian warships. If you surrender, we will not fire on you. Please respond. Ukrainians responded, Russian warship, go F yourself. Now we do have news about this garrison and all of them were killed in the ensuing battle. But that radio transcript has inspired the Ukrainian people to fight harder because it shows they are not going to bow down to Russian invaders, no matter how unstoppable they may seem. Now, this gets, this brings us to the end of the story that I have today. It is now the third night of the invasion, and the Russians are outside of the city limits of Kiev, which is the capital of Ukraine, as I've said. Vladimir Zelensky, the leader of the Ukraine, has stated to the international community who has all eyes on Ukraine right now that he believes the Russians are going to storm Kiev tonight. 
Now, you may be thinking, how did they get inland so quickly? Kiev is the capital, it must be far inland, it must be far away from Russia, right? Well, that's unfortunately not true, because Kiev is maybe 75 miles from the, nor from the northern border of Ukraine, which borders Belarus and Russia. Russians did not have to go very far to get to Kiev. But even if they take Kiev, there's still a lot of Ukraine left to conquer. And... As I said yesterday, the Ukrainian government has started arming and supplying all... Yesterday I said anybody who's willing can carry a gun. Now it's confirmed that no men, 18 to 60, are allowed to leave the country anymore and it's required that they all have to fight. So Ukraine is a country of 44 million people, I checked today. And if half of those people are now going to be fighting, that's an army of 20 million that the Russians will have to contend with. Granted, many of them will be untrained and unqualified to be fighting a war, but they have extreme nationalistic zeal on their side. They are united in a fight against a foreign aggressor that is far more powerful and far more terrifying than they are. But they're going to fight it out. It's very likely that a lot of those people are now in Kiev. And if the Russians are going to attack Kiev, they have a grueling fight on their hands. It's possible that the ensuing Battle of Kiev could be the first great battle of the 21st century. And I'm going to be watching that all day tomorrow. I'm going to be watching what's going on. I want to see how far Putin is willing to push his army and how many of them he's willing to sacrifice in order to get his goals accomplished. And why do they want to take Kiev? Well, first of all, Kiev is the capital of Ukraine. It would be a devastating mor uh, moral blow to the Ukrainians. And also, now, the leader of... Ukraine and the mayor of Kiev are both fighting their tails off inside the city of Kiev. If Kiev were to fall, it's likely those two people would be captured and Putin would no doubt execute both of them, which would be another devastating blow to the morale of the Ukrainians. But they are going to fight. I read that the, the Russians are trying to avoid urban warfare as often as they can, and I think they know now that the Ukrainians are going to fight tooth and nail for all territory they possibly can. They're fighting for their country and they're fighting for their lives. And these stories like the ghost of Kiev and the Ukrainian Reaper and old men and women fighting the, a war that they could easily run away from and the couple who got married just so they could fight together knowing they would probably die together and the, and the island in the Black Sea who refused to surrender to an overwhelming Russian force this is Putin's greatest fear, that the Ukrainians are rallying and willing to fight him off. It remains to be seen if they're going to be able to fight him off. At the onset of the war, everyone was saying, no, Ukraine's going to get obliterated. A lot of people are changing their tone on that. As recently as 20 minutes ago, I was seeing f tweets of people saying, hey, uh, is Ukraine winning this war? Because... There's a lot of footage of Russian planes going down. There's footage of Russian trucks being destroyed and tanks being destroyed. It, this is not going as well as maybe Putin thought it was going to go for the Russians. Before we finish, a few numbers for you. Uh, these are casualties of the war so far. Now, this is a very fluid situation, so we don't really know what's going on. But um, what we're looking at right now is that Russia has claimed, in terms of their casualties that their army has suffered, two civilian ships have been bombed, 
two planes have been destroyed. That's all that Russia has reported so far. And I know that those numbers are out of date because I have seen at least five aircraft being shot down in videos. Ukrainians claim that they have destroyed 80 Russian tanks, 516 armored vehicles, shot down 10 military aircraft, and seven helicopters. They've also shot down one Russian troop transport, and I can confirm that that's 100% true, and that troop transport could have potentially been carrying 150 Russian soldiers, which would be devastating for the Russians and their attacking force. All of that is probably not true, because in that same claim, the Ukrainians have claimed 2,800 Russians have been killed. And that's probably not true. It might be. I might be totally wrong about this, because... Obviously, we're not seeing the front lines of battle because Russian, because Ukrainian soldiers are not taking videos on their phones while things are happening. They're fighting. Now, Ukrainian casualties are much harder to come by. Um, the United Kingdom released a statement today that they believe 194 Ukrainians have been killed since the war started. If that's all the people that have been killed in this war, and it is true that maybe 2,800 Russians have been killed, that is a staggering ratio of casualties between these two forces. It's also, the Russians have also claimed that Ukraine's military air bases and air defense systems have been completely neutralized. I can confirm that that is untrue because I've seen videos of Ukrainian uh, anti-air systems in action, both shooting missiles and also shooting bullets at planes. I've seen them shoot down planes. I've seen video of that. Russian sources claim that 150 Ukrainian soldiers have surrendered. That's very possible. They claim that they have shot down six combat aircraft, one combat helicopter, and five drones. Now, they say they've shot down five drones, so that confirms that Ukrainians do have drones and are actively using them. They also claim that 67 tanks and combat vehicles have been destroyed and 87 other military vehicles have been destroyed. Those are all Russia's claims. Those numbers are probably skewed or outdated, but that's what we have so far. Ukrainians have not updated their casualty list since the first day of uh, fighting, so we don't know for sure. The situation is very, very fluid. A lot is happening constantly. Stay in touch, everybody. I'll be updating you every single day that I can until hostilities either stagnate or cease altogether. And remember that tonight, right now, Ukraine is going into what could be the first great battle of the 21st century. And pray for Ukraine. And pray for the Ukrainian people. Because if the Russians are perpetrating war crimes on the Ukrainian people, then even though I always say that I deliver news in an unbiased form, I will stand against people who terrorize other nations and the people of other nations or people of their own nations. And therefore, I will stand against the Russian military if they are attacking civilians and civilian targets, because that is a war crime and everyone should stand against any nation who perpetrates anything like that. I will update you tomorrow on the Battle of Kiev and what happens there. This is Tanner, signing off. You can't see, but when I said that, I actually literally saluted. I saluted my computer. I'm saluting you. Thank you for staying updated. I just...
I saluted you like four times when I said that. I can't believe I actually did that. That's hilarious. All right. Catch you all tomorrow.